jealousy is I want what you have. And it can be very healthy. There's a guy named Helmut Schuch. He did research in 88 different cultures and found that every culture he studied out of the 88 had the nomenclature for envy. In fact, his claim is that law and order was established to control envy. So envy is is different, distinct from jealousy. Jealousy, I want what you have. Envy, I don't want you to have what you have. Law and order was put in place because the ultimate expression of envy is murder. Its henchmen are gossip, slander, and tail-bearing. So those are ways to murder somebody's character, but the ultimate expression of envy is murder itself, to take from somebody their life because you can't have it. You don't like that they have it. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad. This is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-host and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. So this week, I sit down with Dan and Adrian. We talk about a lot of fun stuff. We talk about jealousy and envy. I share a story about how my 10-year-old boy called me out on my jealousy. Dan talks about contempt and conceit, and Adrian talks a bit about his journey with journaling. There's a lot of really great stuff in here. I can't wait for you to hear it all. Let's dive in. Gentlemen, Adrian, Dan, it's good to be with you. Uh, always, always. I, I've been thinking a bit about what we what I wanted to talk about in our in this episode, and I knew we were, you know, obviously we were going to start chatting. There's a lot going on for us over here. We're about to go into The Revenant. I mean, by the time people hear this, the the, the Revenant in Idaho will be over. Um, we will be uh, coming away. We hope it'll be over. If it's not over, come find us in Boise. We're trapped in a room. Somebody rescue us. Help, I'm in a room and I can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, I do uh, want to mention that we... Oh, go ahead. I was going to make some joke about like the, the locals have taken over, the whatever, like, you know, there's been a mutiny. Oh, yeah. An uprising. An uprising. Yeah. I also want to mention we have The Revenant coming up in April in L.A. And uh, you, currently you can go to wearerevenant.com and check that out. The dates are there. There's information there. Please, we'd love for you to join us. The opportunities for attending The Revenant are going away for this year. Uh, they're feeling fast. Idaho, shoot. I mean, Idaho was, I think, full before the beginning of the year. And LA's tra- trending that way. So um, the momentum is picking up in the training of the Revenant, and these things are filling up fast. Seats go fast. So if you've been thinking about it, please check it out. We are Revenant.com. To potentially to uh, entice or maybe turn some away, LA is going to be an interesting one. If you're listening and you've been to the Revenant before, you know that Dan has always been the head trainer. He's been doing this for 40 years and he's world-class, best in class at this. The LA training in April, I will be the head trainer. So that might turn some of you away. And if so, come to Hawaii. Or if you're if you're up, even if you've been through the Revenant before, uh, it'll be a whole new experience with me at the helm. Yep. So uh, invite you, you know, what, what's that meme? Tell your kids, hide your kids, hide your wife. What's that? Remember that meme? Anyway, um, yeah. that was such a hilarious I, meme. I say the gym is the gym. You're good. You're, you'll be a great trainer, but if they get, if they come in and pick up the weights, if they get in there and exercise, they're going to have a great breakthrough, uh, that they will. I'm excited because you've been training for a long time, uh, yep. longer, you know, like you've taken your time and done a good job and, you know, probably 11 years, off and on 12 years. So, Oh, sure. Yeah, I've been reluctant and wanting to take the helm. I think 
I think you, you've said historically, Dan, that people that have wanted to be trainers, they've come in, they wanted to do it, and they like really wanted to get at it. I was really, I mean, you kind of wore me down. You've been talking about it for a long time, and I was always like smiling and nodding, like, sure, okay, okay, sure, sure. And anyway, somehow this, uh, it's, it's, it's all got confirmed, and so here we go. I'm excited about it. That's usually the best. I was the same way. I worked at uh, LifeSpring for three years before I trained, but I got up in three months, but spent three years just serving, working, and then I, I got up, I got up fast. You're doing the same thing. I also want to mention, I mean, I, we don't talk much about this, but we, you know, we have a volunteer team that supports each Revenant training. And uh, this team that's for LA is is incredible, the, the caliber of the humans that are going to be there. So uh, that's another added bonus of coming to these trainings is you get to expand your network with people who are looking to create something new in their lives as well. And uh, the team is no different. So it just so much opportunity comes from this and uh, want to invite you to be there with us. It's going to be a powerful experience. You know, there's, there's time investment, there's energy investment, there's relational investment for sure. The beauty of it is uh, there's no sideline in that room. If you're in the room, you're in the training. So you're always like, I mean, I am, obviously as one of the trainers, but you're in a transformational process. So if you feel, just to double down on what you're saying, if you feel any bit of the doldrums or feeling stuck at all, or maybe at a big crossroads in your life or want to, you know, take some new leap, generate something new, you know, make, you know, make this year really distinct for yourself. You know, I was just writing this morning in my journal, what was it? It's something about my life is not my circumstances. Uh, or what's happening. It's really my own existence in relationship to those circumstances. Like when people call it things their life, they usually point at things, like at data points out there. But it's really how I am in the thing that is the thing. So anyway, if you want to come and have any kind of refresh, any new perspectives, any you know reinvigorated hope, uh, any conviction to make a tough call, usually great things come after a hard decision like a decision that was baked in tension, decision that was baked in the complexity, come, you know, the workout of being on the team, Chad's leading this team with excellence. And as he said, amazing people on this team, you'll, you'll become family with a bunch of amazing folks if you come and your, your life warning, your life might also, you know, change for the best. So um, come check it out. If you're interested, Chad, if they want to be on the team, they've been through the Revenant, they want to be on the team, what do they do? They email you? Oh, they can reach out to us, let us know. I mean, we're set we're set team-wise for LA, but we've got we've got Hawaii. Um, and it's an it's a training in and of itself. So you get at least seven, eight weeks of coaching with one of us, whoever's coordinating the team. Um, so there's coaching that goes along with it. There's um the experience of putting your life on not on hold, but certainly making sacrifices for something that, uh, for the transformation of other people. And um, that's always going to be an experience to bring up uh, something new for you. So uh, it's a great opportunity to, to work, with, work with a team that's dedicated to transformation, that's dedicated to creating something new in their life and to contribute. If you, if you, came to the Revenant, you know what difference it made in your life, and it's an opportunity to give back to it. So that's an opportunity too. You can just reach out to us. It is application-based. 
you're not guaranteed a spot. You fill out an application, you have an interview, and then we determine whether or not it's a good fit. So let's get on with it. Let's huh? do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, I want to. I'm going to kick us off today, if that's all right. Please. Uh, I've been thinking about. I'll start with a story. So, a couple weeks back, uh, I was traveling. We I, we were doing that offsite with a team in um, in uh, I keep wanting to say Costa Rica, but it, Puerto Rico, and um, and I was gone for a good portion of the week. Got home on a Saturday, and. Uh, or it was a Friday. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Whatever. And the weekend before I had been gone and my family had, uh, Milo's, uh, my little 10 year old Milo is a break dancer. He's at this break, da- break dance studio. We're getting pretty deep into this community. It's really, it's, it's turning out to be a really beautiful community of people getting together around break dancing and this culture, but also helping each other out. And, and the kids, I mean, Milo's in practice six hours a week, something like that. And so he's re- these these kids have become his his best best friends. And now we're starting to get to know the parents. Milo's like the coolest kid I've ever met. He is pretty cool. He's very cool. Um, very got, cool. I don't have any idea where he got it from. Um, <laughs> Her name and, is Katie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Katie's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so. While I was out of town, they went to this family's house that's part of this community, and they had a great time. Cool family, really cool, huge, beautiful house, new, you know, new house. And this guy is uh, the 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 dad is a pretty eccentric artist. He does stamp prints that are incredibly detailed, and they all different. I mean, hundreds of colors, but they're they're kind of this anime kind of Japanese style of art, but he creates the stamps and all the, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. It's, it's an old traditional type of art, but he carves the stamps and each stamp is a certain color. So however many colors there are in the print has to have its own stamp. And it only is that area that is that color. It's unbelievable art. Anyway, so they go to these guys, this family's house and have a great time. And uh, they decide while they're there, well, we got to bring dad back. We could, dad's got to get to know these guys and this is fun and whatever. So they plan another time to be together on the next Sunday. We're going to do dinner and stuff on that, on, the, on that next Sunday. I get home from my trip and all I hear about is this family. How cool they are, how cool their house is, how cool he is. And I find myself getting agitated and I'm not really paying very close attention to myself and what's going on for me. I'm just, I just am getting agitated and I'm tired and I've got all this, you know, Oh, just like I got back from a work trip and it was a lot of travel and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and we're all in the car driving home from a family thing. And they're still talking about this other family. And as I parked the car, I said, hey, could we talk about anything else besides this family? <laughs> and as Milo says, what's wrong, dad? You jealous? <laughs> see, see, this is why Milo's the coolest kid on the planet. And right, I snap right back. Right to the heart of the matter. 
And I snap back. Of course I'm not jealous. What are you talking about? That's stupid. I just am, I'm tired and I don't want to hear about it. I just want to talk to you guys about something else. And, you know, it took me a couple of days to realize that, yeah, that is exactly what was going on. That Milo read my mail. I was feeling all sorts of insecurities and jealousies about this guy, like how much, you know, what, and, and their message was just so sweet. It was like, oh, we love dad and we love this guy. They got to get together because they'd have so much fun together chatting and they're, you know, the art and all of this stuff. And anyway, I just, it was so, it was such an interesting experience for me to come to that conclusion. It was, it was late at night and I was journaling and I was thinking about what was going, what was happening, why I was agitated and all. And I realized that Milo was exactly right. I was experiencing this moment of, I don't know if it was jealousy or envy, um, but ultimately that's what I wanted. I wanted to talk about jealousy and envy and the difference. And Dan, you do this beautiful, uh, typically during the Revenant, you talk about the difference between jealousy and envy and it, it got me thinking a lot about that as well. The the I will I'll cap out the story by saying this. I realized while I was journaling that I needed to have a conversation with my family. Um and I got really scared to have this conversation with them. I was very nervous. It was a very vulnerable scenario for me. And, uh, so that the next day we were sitting down at dinner, I just said, Hey, I got, I, I, I want to tell you guys something. Um, and I, and I, and I'm scared to tell you this, or I'm, I'm feeling nervous about it, but, uh, I really was feeling jealous and, and I was, you know, agitated and, and feeling insecure about how much, how much, how much you guys loved this family. And, and that's, that's not who I want to be. And so I, I want to I want to make it right, eh? And I want you to see my journey. I want you to see this, you know, I, I so so when you're experiencing similar things, this is the human experience and we can recover from it. And I just want you to know that uh that I love you and I love them and we had a great time at their house. It was really fun. They were so loving, so welcoming. Great conversation. You didn't, didn't pout in the corner or something. <laughs> I did. I, well, I, there might have been some of that at the beginning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Where's uh, Chad? No, I didn't. Well, you talk before you even got there. You did, yeah, that's right. You did, you did like a couple of days of pouting until, of course, your boy Milo came in and saved the day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where's Dad? Exactly. Where's Dad? Why is he like still in the oh, bathroom? What, Adrian, that's what my granddaughters do. They go, "Where's Papa?" If I'm really in a bad mood, yeah, and they'll look at me and go, "Where's Papa?" And that does it, man. I'm. Uh. So anyway, I wanted to share that story, open up a conversation about jealousy, about envy, about what is, you know, what is the insidiousness? I mean, that's, that could have, A, it could have robbed me of the experience of being open with this new family and creating relationship and community with them. But it also the had the potential, I mean, my family, my own family looked like a threat in this because of the way that I was relating to it. It kind of touches into what I was going to share too. Do a little bit. Do, define some terms, Dan. Uh, like do some. Yeah. Do the jealousy. Do the envy. distinction thing. Yeah, yeah. 
my nerdiness, I'm always looking into words and their distinction because language is so vital to being. Um, language is the house of being, as Martin Heidegger would say. So um, if you think about it, jealousy is I want what you have. I want so, and it can be very healthy, right? I want like one of the things I've been, I'm jealous of you guys about is how vital you are when you get online. Uh, how Adrian, I love listening to your coach. I learned a ton from it. So I'm jealous. I want that, right? And I want it in a way that I realize I can have it my way, but not Adrian's way. But I can learn from Adrian. I can draw from it. I can draw from you, Chad, on your presence online. And I've been watching it closely, and, and it's very valuable, right? I'm jealous of my wife, healthy jealousy. Only I get certain aspects of her emotional life. and That's healthy. And then envy, and then jealousy, there's a guy named Helmut Schuch who wrote a he just wrote a great book called Envy about all this. And he goes through these distinctions. And that's where I derived this from. And it's a, it's a fantastic book. Uh, he, he did research in 88 different cultures and found that every culture he studied out of the 88 had the nomenclature for envy. In fact, his claim is that law and order was established to control envy. So envy is, I is is different, distinct from jealousy. Jealousy, I want what you have. Envy, I don't want you to have what you have. And so then what I do is I begin to, I do things to undermine what you have that's rightfully yours. You earned it. Like, so for instance, in your story, Chad, you would say, you know, your envy would have been, you didn't want this family to have the affections that you wanted from your family. And then we say, well, can we talk about something different, right? That might be a bit of envy while you're going to like diminish this family. I, I should see that myself multiple times. Um, there's a little bit of it in the story I'm going to talk about, but, but um, those are the two distinctions and they come up in us, right? That's just part of, if I know that it comes up, it's not a bad thing. I can utilize that and and then be there. I can presence myself beyond that emotional state. I can let that go and presence myself as you did with your family and the other family. But it's a it's a this guy Shuk said law and order was put in place because the ultimate expression of envy is murder. So and and it's 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 henchmen are gossip, slander, and tail-bearing. So those are ways to murder somebody's character, but the ultimate expression of envy is murder itself. To take from somebody their life because you can't have it, or you're, you don't like that they have it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it feels vulnerable to talk about it even now because I'm like, well, are people going to relate, or is it, am I just like an, an asshole? To me, it's very endearing because I I can relate to the that that edginess, that comparison. And when are we going to get off of this? I had this very conversation with my wife this weekend, which was really good. Life is not fair; it's what you negotiate. Let me say that one more time: Life is not fair; it's what you negotiate. Now, that's an interesting thought. If that's true, it means that everything you have in life right now the possessions, the relationships, the fitness, the mindset, 
are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate? What's effective and what's ineffective? What your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. I was watching a video of like a guy that like coaches how to work with, I forget what he used, not defiant children. Anyway, I was watching this guy do the thing. And then in some of the, com- I've, I've gotten into like reading comment sections. I think I'm late to that game. I used to never do that. Now it's like fun to like read comment sections. And I was just noting how many people were just there to talk shit about this guy. And it's like so fascinating to me. And I think it connects into this. I mean, I think there it's envious, right? So in, you know, just these things like this guy has no idea what he's talking about. And just like, I wonder why you, you need to write that. Like, let's say you think that and then you're, but you're on this guy's page and you need to make sure you state for yourself and for the audience that this guy, who's obviously an expert, because I don't know, this video has been liked like 25,000 times. You need to let yourself know and other people know that he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's like, really? Really? But, but so I think, I think this jealousy envy thing really sh- definitely shows up for all of us in, in, in the spectacle of social media. Well, Neil Postman wrote, he's written a lot about this. In fact, he, he claims that, um, I think he claims that the American, or basically the Western, and now pretty much global advertising agency, you know, the whole advertising game is built on envy. Right? Like, like in fact, envy's not a bad word anymore. Envy, there's a clone called envy. I mean, envy's okay, right? And and it's really interesting because the nomenclature for the the metaphor, social metaphor, and this is from Shook again, Helmut Shook, for envy is witchcraft, which is the manipulation of people through lies, basically spells, incantations, etc. But the idea is to keep them from having what they have or deserve to have. You you steal that from them through a spell. Etc. Etc. I don't. I don't pay much attention to the Super Bowl. I don't pay much attention to most of that. But I saw a bunch of stuff online about um, what's that famous singer's name? Um, Taylor, Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Yeah. And it seemed like okay, you know, seemed like a lot of envy. Like you know, and but you can use envy to spin people up, right? 
and to get all the gossip going and 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 like that and and um to me when i smell it i just stay away from it because it's so easy to get hooked into it right it's easy to listen to gossip and and, and get off on it it's easy to you know I, there's a part of us that gets off on yeah that's good nobody's better than i am or they don't they haven't accomplished more than me or whatever the odd weird mindset is that i live in you know uh that i just like justify my mediocrity with right. like i just notice that in myself quite a bit so i try to stay away from that in the in the culture there's an old there's an old mantra in the 12 step tradition that goes like this com- compare despair which is i think obviously all this jealousy and envy starts with it's with a I guess a pre-conversation of comparison, like you know, for you in the for you in the van, you've been hearing about this dad and how cool this dad is, and how crafty he is, and how inventive he is, and how awesome he is, and da da da. And for you, you're in this conversation about I don't know what it was. Maybe it's worth just a question. What was the conversation for you in the background going on when you started hearing about how cool this dude was? Oh, I don't know. I don't know that it was uh, that. More of a reaction, huh? Emotionally. Yeah, it was more of a more of a reaction that I felt than a like, oh my gosh, this guy, I, I'm not, I can't compare to him. Like blah blah blah. You know, I think it was more of all of that was going on, but it was more in in me than just a a thought process. Does that yeah. make sense? Well, what what do you think? But yeah, those feelings though, what were they baked in? Like what? What do you think was the conversation? Like why were you annoyed that everybody was like talking cool about this guy? Oh, uh, well, on the surface, I was like, gosh, can we just talk about something else? This is getting old and tired. Uh, underneath that, of uh, uh, underneath that, of course, is like, oh, do I stack up? Am I as yeah. good as? Am I, you know, what does that mean about me? Is there room enough in these people's hearts for two, <laughs> two <laughs> awesome dudes? It sounds so stupid when you say it. No, but I it's get like, it. it's real, man. I get it. <laughs> I get it. it comes up for me when I'm like, uh, like I'm sensitive to my kids complaining. Like partially I'm sensitive to it cause I'm irritable. But secondly, I'm also sensitive to it because, uh, I know it's like a bad habit. Like if they get into like being complainers and being whiners about stuff and I'll, I'll go that way and I'll get edgy and kind of comparison if they're complaining about something and I know I've gone the extra mile or done the extra activity or just bought them a bunch of shit or something and now they're bitching about it, it's like, hey, I'm a pretty cool dad. I'm like a good dad. Let me remind you. Let me go through my resume here about what makes me, why you ought to, you know, you should go go out there and meet some other dads, then come back home and, and see, you know, and you'll be grateful for this one that you got. You won the freaking lottery here, kids. When I'm in my, like in like a bad space, I'm like trying to like uh, remind them about how good they've got it. So stop whining. Yeah, you know, this week when I very similar experience, I found myself edgy with Eileen. She's had some pretty powerful openings, you know, breakthroughs. And uh, first, she stopped. At January first, we both just stopped drinking for a while. Just wouldn't drink any wine or anything, and mainly to you know, just she just wanted to gain weight. But the bottom line, we each had our own reasons. But she's had some really powerful breakthroughs. We both have, um, 
both physically and 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 kind of um, spiritually. And I noticed that she was like she had a huge breakthrough over the last couple of days around what like like where she wants to focus herself going forward as as she's working with us, what she likes doing, and she sees it just a real opportunity with women because she's had some breakthroughs with a couple of her clients, multiple people that she's been coaching, women that she's been working with. And she's enthused about it. She's excited. She's full of life about it. I noticed the same thing. I said to her, can we stop talking about this? I've heard it. Like, this is like you're manic. She goes, and I looked at her and she was crestfallen. Like, and I realized that I just stopped. And this is what came to my mind. Contempt. No, um, conceit is the precursor to contempt. Because I felt contempt, which means I felt some shame. I must be in some comparison of her. And this, this con- it's conceit. It's like like you said it, Adrian. I'm, we're in the breakthrough business. We're in the transformation business. Don't, we've, I, what are you doing? If you've experienced this before, you've gone off like a kid, right? Rather than, let, I want to go on, I want to explore this with her. And I was edgy. I was like, I don't have, this is getting on my nerves. You know, uh, as if, you know, we've arrived somewhere. And, but when she looked at me, it really, you know, she just kind of looked at me like heartbroken. And I, I went in, I just went and sat down and, and she, and, and I went back in and I said, you know what, this is fantastic. But I started realizing what I was going through and she just broke and hugged me. And, you know, I said, I'll support you in any way I can, whatever you're, because she wants to do some work with women and she wants to develop a training. And I, and I said, look, I'll, I'll help you. And she was jacked. You know, she felt like I wasn't really supporting her. I could tell. And, and I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't even thinking, I was just edgy, pissed off. Like, can we get on with what I want to do now? That's enough of this. We, we did this already. We've talked about it, but it's big enough where it's important to her. And she wrote some beautiful stuff. I mean, I, I was really quite um, moved by her writing. One of the things she wrote about, which really moved me, was how she's giving permission to this, her, the authentic aspects of herself to express themselves. And I've always felt that she's been held back. And to see that and to welcome it and then to see the way my daughter naturally embraced it with her and celebrated with her convicted me about like my own need to be in my own world, my own narcissistic conceit. And um, it was like, whoa, like, wow, I, here's where I'll lose my wife. If I, because I'm not willing to hold on to her. I'm not willing to enjoy and learn and to connect with the excitement she's in. Like it's a real excitement too, because when I said you're manic, she looked at me and smiled. She goes, I'm not manic. I'm excited. And I was like, right, you're right. That's right. I'm, I'm shit is what I thought in my mind. I'm going to go in the other room for just a few minutes and get my head together. Let me go talk to Maven. I'll be back. Maven, then God. I went right to God on this one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I came back and it's just a great evening. But uh, there's it's like a whole new aspect of my wife, like a new territory. And I don't want to miss mm-hmm. it. And I don't want to make it like I... I don't want her to think I don't want to be there because I do, right? Because later on, I want to feel like I've been left out. Then I'll have a whole racket about that. You know, it's just your your story really it was the same experience. When you said that, I, I went, oh, I know that. I, that was over here with me and Eileen. And uh, 
And she's really committed, man. She's going to take the nonprofit to the, towards that, right? With the women. She really wants to get involved with women. And, you know, with women who have been through really tough times, who've shut their lives down or aspects of their voice because that's what they needed to do to get through a very traumatic period. But now they think the rest of life is like that. And they allow, sh when they speak, the shame of speaking to stop their voice. And she's got a whole thing she's working on there. But she's had I, major breakthroughs with a couple, two or three of her her clients that, and it really triggered in, in, in for her too. And to see somebody passionately unfold is just beautiful. And to listen to her writing, I, you know, she really has a great, I was really moved by her writing. So, which I've not, you know, she's written other things, but now this really connected, you know, the way she wrote it, the vision that she wrote. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hope I'm, I'm excited to talk with her about it this week when I, you know, when we're together in Boise, just because I, you know, she was my for those listening. So Eileen was my first coach when I was running the foundation. Um, she was my coach, and and then she trained me how to coach, and she's so she uh, I I can't even really find words. I mean, obviously very powerful, but insightful. Uh, she has always had this very beautiful paradox about her of like very supportive and loving and feels like a you know motherly at the same point very dangerous sees more than you want her to see listens deeper than you want her to hear like she's you know this great paradox of this like really uh just there's an air of like nobility around her um and yeah, and the, at the same point, like very comforting and nurturing. So, anyway, I I'm excited. I'm excited. My head's already full of like women. I want to once she gets this clear, people I want yeah, to connect you to. Yeah, she's in a creative place, like being clear about it. Like, but I said, don't worry. You don't have to narrow it down to anything to do yet. Let's just keep talking about the vision and what the aim of it is. Like, let's keep that up, and 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 so you'll you'll be hearing about it. She's I'm pretty excited. I, once I once they got off of my conceit, it's interesting where people go when transformation happens. Like the people that are around them, right? That's one thing that I've been recognizing. When you know, when you are the one going through a transformation, there are it, sometimes it has caught me off guard in my own life when people don't want to hear about it or don't want to don't don't want to support me in it or are threatened by the transformation that I'm experiencing and um and, and that want to run away from it or you know not acknowledge it or or whatever and um it's also been interesting for me going through transformation looking at those around me I mean I, even specifically in my marriage uh, I have this weird thing that I get really worried that I'm going to like leave her behind yeah. or something, or she's not going to get up to this new way that I want to live or, you know, that sort of thing. And I, 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 it, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, it does something interesting to a relationship when one, one of the people in the party start to transform a part of their life. Well, you're breaking a part of the system. You think about it happens with teams too, right? Yeah. Only one person has to change and the whole system has to accommodate that change. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen that with my son, my daughter, where my daughter or son go off on whatever tangent they need to go off on in their journey. 
but it changes, it alters the whole family dynamic. And and I think that that's, in fact, when I went to work at LifeSpring, I remember John Hanley saying, put Eileen and I together in a room with him and said, look, when your husband comes to work here, be aware that he's going to change rapidly and you're going to feel like he's leaving you. And you've got to, you guys need to accommodate for that because Dan, you're going to expect her to kind of move with you, but you're going to be working with a lot of people and that's going to be different than what she's doing. And that doesn't mean she's not going to move, but your ability to stay connected is going to have everything to do with your success as a couple while you do this. And it puts stress on the relationship because I would break through to a lot of different things that she wasn't exposed to. And so I would expect certain things from her that she just wasn't, that wasn't her deal. Wasn't, wasn't part of what was demanding of what was demanded of her in her life. And vice versa, I needed to learn to bring those aspects that to the house that I normally wouldn't be called on at work to do. So being aware of that's a powerful dynamic. And we've heard it, you know, in our work, we've seen where one one in a couple, one somebody has a breakthrough and they come back and think there's something wrong with their spouse versus oh if you and I always say well, we've had a breakthrough, then you can certainly accommodate your spouse and learn what you've been missing up until now, right? So, you know, and, and then, you know, the thing is, presence is very different than concept. And, you know, like I can, I can talk to you about what it's like to be with somebody who's had a breakthrough, but that's very different than being with somebody in the presence of that. And I think we struggle. Uh, the vicious cycle is we have this experience, like if I said, how is your life the way you want it to be? Is it the experience you're committed to? And most people, I think everybody I've talked to, myself included, would say, well, not exactly. Like, like we have this constant awareness that there's probably more available to us in the experience than we're actually having if we just stopped. We don't say, no, it's shit, unless, of course, it is, but we don't usually say that because we have these glimpses of moments where we had presence and we connected with love or we connected with other people. We've experienced that presence, not the concept of it. But I think most of the time I'm living in the concept of love. And then, like, when my wife was going through this, I thought, that's what occurred to me is, oh, I'm in the concept of love. She's actually in love. She's presencing love. Now, and I'm, she's calling me out of this concept to connect and presence th- with her, and that somehow is a threat. It's a it's waking me from my slumber, and I'm angry about it, and I don't, and I I'm jealous or maybe even envious about it at some level because I don't want to go there right now. I don't want to be present. I'm going to be scarce and stingy with my presence, and I and and it really woke me up. You know, and there's this. I really, it made me aware of the vicious cycle that I can get in. I've seen, you know, that's part of what we do the work for is to break the vicious cycle, to open up possibility, to be able to stand in a way that what matters to us, we can actually become the space for what matters to be present. And that's what she was doing. She was so out of her own way that what she was committed to was actually showing up. You know, in I, like I'm speaking in concept now, but 
you get what I'm talking about, right? But and I think we do that. We 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 fall in love. We we or we get experience love or passion or authenticity, and then we make a concept about it. And then we I know I live in the concept of that, and I think I have it. When I don't, I'm just living in the concept. I was there in the presence when it was there, and then I I go back into the concept. I think it's natural for us. Or our body naturally does that. And that vicious cycle, then somebody comes along and shows up and reminds you of what the presence is, and you go, yeah, I know that. I have a concept of that, so I know that. Don't, don't bother me with this. This is, I've already been there. Thank you. I've already arrived. Crazy. Yeah, I'm, con- I'm convicted by what you guys are saying just because it brings me back to probably second year of my first marriage and I had, you know, had had a pretty fun life, interesting career, traveling the world, making tons of difference and, you know, big speaking on stages and all that stuff was cool. And then I shifted roles and I left working at this church called Mosaic and started this foundation soon after I'd meet, you know, Dan and, and Eileen and, and, uh, my life, it, I had this sense that I was like on this upward trajectory, um, and wanted to be on this upward trajectory and felt it and was making more money than I'd ever made before and kind of, um, felt the different levels of peace and self-respect and all these kinds of things were going. And simultaneously, my then wife was started to struggle, um, with her career and with her social network and, and uh, I did not handle it well. I saw that as a threat, felt threatened by it, saw it as a threat, decided instead of, you know, talking about it in a really proactive way. And, uh, you know, I just kind of stuffed it down and, and then slowly started building a different world, which ended up becoming really dark and detrimental and, you know, uh, separate and uh, full of secrets and deceit and all this this kind of stuff, but it really started here. It started with that dynamic of I felt my trajectory was threatened by where she was, which it just proved to me I actually wasn't going where I thought I was going, or I would have had the room for where she was, which is your point. You know, it felt precious. You know, it's like I think my own sense of growth or quote whatever development evolution felt so precious that couldn't have room for someone else that wasn't on the same trajectory as I was, at least in my own mind and got pretty criminal. But this was the, you know, context of it. You get resentful, right? I mean, yes, I, I, that's what, I mean, that's what I was starting to feel for Eileen. Just in that moment, I was like, what yeah. am I up to? What? Well, I had to go shake it off. It was like, what's on me? This yeah. is inside me. It's Wow. Yeah, I didn't that you know I just embrace it like wow, what's it telling me? Yeah, that's great. Well, and I'll just add you know my my point of the day that I've just had fresh experience even this morning uh, has to do with this in the sense that you know loved hearing what you guys were going through and your thoughts about it and you were pensive about it and you know you want to kind of quote unquote do the work around it so that you can govern yourself. And, uh, you know, this morning I was up early sitting there and writing and just wanted to talk about journaling 
only because it is the thing I never want to do. I, you know, like I, I, why is that? Because when I wake up in the morning, I don't like how my head sounds. My head is not pretty. I'm critical of me and you and what's happening and my life. And you don't know how hard I've got it. Anyway, I've got tons of like sob stories and, you know, feel really alone and I don't know, blah, 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 like, you know, whatever. All the problems are magnified in the morning. And so what's good for me is to sit there and just be with myself on a piece of paper and wonder out loud and like befriend, you know, I, well, yeah, like befriend the parts of me that I'd prefer not to be around. I do know that about an hour later, get some coffee in me, you know, stretch a little bit, kids wake up. Life's going to feel very different an hour later. I know that. Yeah, I can like treat myself with, you know, X numbers of, you know, options. At the same point, I want to be able to befriend the parts of myself that I don't prefer, the parts of myself that I judge. And I do know that if I can do that, I've got a lot more room for other people. I know that, you know, it's like we, I, that was, I guess that's kind of a foundational psychological uh, notion of like projection, like whatever's going on inside of you, you're going to find it in somebody else. And it, what we don't talk about is the healthy side of that. Like if I can befriend the parts of me that I don't prefer or my, my own bitchiness or my own whininess or my own victiminess, if I can befriend those parts of myself, they actually have a lot more room for those when they like show up in somebody else. So Anyway, I was just thinking about like the journaling practice. It, I didn't, you know, I first started journaling back uh, in 2016 when I, when I, when Jess and I broke up and I just went in the recovery world and, and they talk about, you know, me- prayer and meditation a ton. It's a part of the 12 steps. Um, but that was the first time I started just being real in journaling. It wasn't like aspirational or like writing something. You know, I used to never write something honest because I was, I was, you know, probably my own egotistical way. Somebody's going to read this someday and I don't want them to see what I'm really thinking and blah, 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 you know? And, and now more than ever, it's just free flow of ideas, whatever's there, just let her rip. Man, you said something there that I really connected into, which is if I'm not going to be honest with myself, how the hell am I going to be honest with you? If I can't just come to terms with my own judgments of myself, others, the world, then when it's time to be honest with you, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna lie to you the way that I lie myself. Well, I bought that t-shirt a few times. I can so relate, Adrian, to your experience of like the, the self-importance of somebody's gonna read this someday, so I need to sound profound and like I've got things figured out and I've got things going and blah, blah. <laughs> Chad like, Brown, Meditations, the next Marcus Aurelius. That's right. Well, this has been uh, this has been really full. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for bringing it for this conversation. I hope there's some relatable stuff. I hope there's some jewels for people as they listen to this. But thank you for bringing it. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. 
Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.